coming up. How did the D-backs have that improbable comeback win against the San Diego Padres? Breaking it all down. And part two of our World Series Power Rankings with Sully Baseball coming at you next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And hey, D-backs fans, you're going to love this. Today's episode is brought to you by the Sports Card Investor app. Welcome to the world of trading cards reimagined. Stay tuned later in the show for more information on this awesome new tool for collectors. You're going to want to check it out at the Sports card investor app today now we're going to talk to sully baseball part two world series power rankings but let's first get into that conversation about last night's ball game d-backs with the improbable walk-off as they take down the san diego padres seven to six and watching that game because i was at chase field last night and i you know i've been to four d-backs games so far this year and the d-backs and the games i've been to so far are zero and four the d-backs have not won a game so far this season and they've been close many times there was a game against the rockies earlier this year that i thought the d-backs were going to win but if you remember entering the ninth inning mark melanson had a big blown save and the d-backs ended up losing that game after i think zach davies pitched into like the eighth inning and had a phenomenal start um just a sad day for me personally as a d-backs fan but last night going to the D-backs game. It was a great feeling to walk away after seeing a D-backs comeback, a walk-off win, but watching the game throughout the night, I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought the the odds of the D-backs winning that game last night was supremely low. It felt like a super improbable comeback because watching the game from start to finish, the game started off with just no offense, and it was really a pitching duel the first four innings of the game because Sean Manaya was absolutely shutting down the D-backs lineup. They probably left Sean Manaya in a little bit too late. He probably should have been done after six innings, 100 pitches, but the Padres wanted to throw him back out there for the seventh, and that was probably the downfall of when their their almost win started to crumble because they probably should have went to the bullpen right away. But through the first four innings, this was definitely a pitching duel. Zach Allen, I thought, looked pretty damn good through the first four innings. Now, I didn't think his stuff was great, though his stuff was a little bit, you know, flat. His fastball velo didn't seem to be as high as it normally is it felt like he was more in the 93 mile an hour range when he typically could sit between 94 and 95 it felt like he really couldn't rear up I didn't see too many 96s either on the radar gun yesterday so I felt like the stuff wasn't there for Zach Allen he really couldn't get any put away stuff like he only had how many strikeouts is Zach Allen like he only had like one or two strikeouts yesterday yeah only two strikeouts I feel like he only had one strikeout through the like the first four innings of yesterday's ball game Zach Allen really struggled to put away you know San Diego 
Real Padres batters with two strikes, but he wasn't allowing any damage, at least, at least through the first four innings of the ball game. Because once that fifth inning rolled around, the game just seemed to flip. Not seemed to flip, the game did flip because Zach Allen gave up six earned runs in that fifth inning and it started off when he gave up a two-run bomb to Nomar Mazzara but after that I was like all right a two-run bomb you don't want to see that if you're Zach Allen but his ERA is still going to be good and he's still having a pretty good start I just move past that home run and let's get Zach Allen back on track because after he gave up that home run I didn't think much of it I'm like yeah that's you know that hurts if you're Zach Allen but I still felt confident that he was going to give us six strong innings of two earned run ball I was going to blame the offense for the lack of run support but little did I know Zach Allen was not done uh not done there because he gave up four more runs in that inning at one point he got the bases loaded and the Padres catcher Jorge Alfara just cleared them with a double that boy is thick and he put a charge into that one down the line and Zach Allen was pretty much done after five and I was really shocked to see the turnaround for Zach Allen because even though he didn't have the put away stuff like I said he did seem like he was cruising he only allowed two singles through those first four innings he wasn't really putting base runners on he wasn't sloppy with the ball he didn't really have command issues I just thought he didn't have his uh, strikeout stuff yesterday and little did, little did I know not having your strikeout stuff also means you're going to give up a lot more hard contact as the game moves on so those Padres hitters really locked in on Zach Gallen that third time through the lineup and Gallen just couldn't do anything in that fifth inning and his day was done after five and it felt like the D-backs were going to lose that game because the D-backs offense had not done anything that day and just you look at the whole month of June the D-backs offense has been terrible so to be down six runs after five innings I was like there's no way the D-backs come back in this game and really their offense wasn't the one that came back like I've been saying this a lot the D-backs excuse me, the Padres lost this game more than the D-backs won it because the D-backs was able to put a little rally together in the seventh inning. I'll give them credit for that because the four runs that the D-backs put up in the seventh was legitimate. They got two guys on the bases. Buddy Candy came up. He had a monster double. Buddy Candy was very good yesterday. Carson Kelly had a huge double in that seventh inning to score Buddy Candy, and the D-backs end up scoring four runs in that seventh. So the offense that they put up in the seventh inning was legitimate, after that, the eighth inning offense is really, is really, if you're a Padres fan, you just have to be hurling at your TV. You have to be throwing up in your mouth. Like, look at this little sequence for the Padres. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up real quick because this is what happened. Um, the Padres pitching uh, would just, it, it just imploded in that eighth inning because you had a Josh Rojas single. And then after that, you had Josh Rojas move to second on a wild pitch by Garcia. Then Ketel Marte walked. Then you had... Excuse me. After that Ketel Marte walk, Buddy Candy was hit by pitch. Then Carson Kelly was hit by pitch. So he had single, wild pitch, walk, walk, hit by pitch, hit by pitch. Those two hit by pitches ended up scoring two runs for the D-backs and it ended up tying the game. The D-backs didn't have to do anything but take walks and take hit by pitches. Like the D-backs in that eighth inning literally wasn't moving the bat off their shoulder. They just stood there in the batter's box and they let every pitch either go by or they let every pitch hit them and it was very effective and at one point after those two after those two hit by pitches they had bases loaded they had no outs you're like the D-backs are going to break this game open but in normal D-backs fashion this is why I say the Padres lost this game more than the D-backs won it because bases loaded no outs Dalton Varsho at the plate double play and it wasn't entirely Dalton Varsho's uh, fault because he hits it to the second base second base 
goes right home, or I think he hits it a shortstop. He hits it somewhere in the infield. They go right home, force out at home. But the guy who was at first, the runner at first, never ran to second. He just stops. And so the catcher, after stepping at home, just throws it to second base. And that's two outs right there. I don't know what the runner on first is doing. I'm not even sure who the runner at first was. But whatever he was doing just costed the D-backs a run right there. Oh, it's Carson Kelly. I don't know what he was doing, why he got held up at first base. But he should have kept running once he saw the ball was on the ground because it was bases loaded it was a force out at every base and it was a ground ball it wasn't like it was a pop-up we had to you know stand and wait no it was a ground ball so you had to go in contact Carson Kelly and then Alec Thomas strikes out after that so it's like the D-backs tied up but it's all because of the Padres lack of effective pitching it wasn't anything the D-backs did because when they had bases loaded no outs they literally couldn't put a run on the board so the Padres come through in the eighth inning and then you fast forward to the ninth inning because Mark Melanson, you know, as always, Mark Melanson, a couple wild pitches, a walk as well in the ninth inning. He had to make it a little dicey, but he gets two strikeouts to end the ninth inning, and the D-backs move on to the bottom of the ninth, where the magic really happens, because it started off with back-to-back Ks from Hager and Peralta, and you're just like, this game is going to extra innings, and the D-backs might have squandered their chance to win in the eighth inning, but Rojas gets on base, Ketel Marte gets on base, back-to-back singles, and then one of the craziest plays I've seen, Christian Walker, just a little dribbler to Eric Hosmer. And I don't know what Eric Hosmer is thinking. I'm like, I I thought it was going to be an out because I saw first base for my seats wide open, easy put out. But instead he goes to second Instead, he goes to second base, the tougher of the two bases, the tougher play of the two choices. And the second baseman, he couldn't squeeze the ball. It pops out. Ketel Marte is safe. And you just see Rojas running around home. And you're like, is that it? Is the game over? And the D-backs end up walking it off. And it just ends up being a pretty improbable win. But it's a great win for the D-backs who have been Excuse me, my mouth is getting a little dry. Who have been struggling. I'm doing this as soon as I wake up, so I, I probably should have drank more water before doing this. But the D-backs have been struggling the whole month of June. The Padres are one of the teams that seem to always have the D-backs number. But the D-backs, first game of the season, walk off against the Padres. First game of this series, walk off against the Padres. Now we got Madison Bumgarner on the mound today. I might have to make another bet with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres, so be on the lookout for that. But great D-backs win, improbable D-backs win, but a super fun game, and I was glad to be in the stands for the first game that the D-backs have won that I've been there all season. That was probably a really weird way to say it. I'm glad that the D-backs won because the first game that they won that I've seen in person all year, and it was a comeback against the San Diego Padres, the NL West opponent, great time. Great time. We're going to get into our part two World Series power rankings. But growing up, sports cards always was a big admiration of mine because my grandfather collected sports cards and he passed them all down to me. So growing up, I really liked sports cards and watching the D-backs. They're a team that has a very young core with the Jordan Lawlers, the Corbin Carrolls coming up soon. We already got Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas on the roster. The D-backs have a very young, enticing core, and I want to own a part of the D-backs' young core. And The best place to do that is the Sports Card Investor app, because welcome to the world of Sports Cards Reimagined. The Sports Card Investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, the Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. It's completely free, easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport with hundreds more added each week. 
check the latest values of your favorite cards with 7-day or 30-day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay deals feature. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. Um... The team that I picked to win the World Series at the beginning of the year were the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're my number three team. Wow. Um, I think that the emergence of Tyler Anderson as being a reliable uh, starter to go along with Gonsolin. I mean, I don't like looking at win-loss records. They're, I think they're misleading. Um, but if you look at the records, just but if you do look at the win-loss record of combining Tyler Anderson – Tony Gonsolin and Clayton Kershaw. That is a uh, let's see a they're twenty two and two. Okay, um, they you know Walker Bueller's injured. Uh, Julio Urias is I, I as a human being I'm not a fan, but as your number three as your number three or four starter, holy Toledo, um, you know. I don't trust Craig Kimbrell any more than I could throw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a feeling that if anything is going to derail the hopes of the Dodgers, it would be a bullpen collapse. Um, but you also take a look, you know, and Betts is injured, obviously, right now. and That's no small thing. And Muncy's having a terrible season. In fact, they're getting some really bad production from some of their key players. And yet Freddie Freeman has taken to this team like a fish to water. And Trey Turner, the two relative new guys, are playing outstanding ball right now. Um, I think that they could very – they have the goods. They're not the super team that's going to win that won 106 ball games last year, but I think they're going to be a high 90 wins team. And I think that if Bueller and Betts are healthy – they are going to be a really hard team to beat in a seven-game series. Yeah, I'm surprised they're your number three team just because of the equity that they probably have built in. They probably have the most built-in championship equity among all teams, mm-hmm. basically what they've been doing the last decade plus. Um, in Major League Baseball, they've pretty much been there every year since. And when you look at the team on paper, they're supremely talented. So I'm a little surprised they're your number three team. Obviously, they haven't been as dominant this year as maybe we expected to come into the season. Um, I still think they have so much talent that they're probably going to be a little bit higher on my list when I get to them. But my number three team, I I'm actually going to put this actually might be a little bit of surprise because of how good they're playing, but it's based off the teams that I basically, you know, how I view them in terms of can they win the World Series? My personal power ranking is not based off the record, but, you know, you know, my personal, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I'm trying to say. But I got the Yankees number three is basically what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say, because that would probably be the most surprising pick on this list just because of how they they played the best baseball so far this season. But when I look at that Yankees team, I just feel like they're getting so many guys overperforming 
compared to their normal expectations. When I look at the Jordan Montgomery's, I want to look at the Jamison Tyones. A lot of their rotation members, I think, are just having phenomenal seasons. I trust a guy like Nestor Cortez, but those other couple guys I mentioned, I'm not too sure. Is Severino really going to hold up once we get to the postseason? So as good as the Yankees are playing, I feel like if Judge, you know, takes a little bit of a step back or if he gets hurt or if Stan gets hurt, I feel like there's not a ton of guys in that lineup that are actually producing on a very high level. I think they're getting a lot of their production from like a core four of dudes and in that rotation as well. Garrett Cole, like he's had a great season, but again, yes. I, I, you know, once we get to the postseason, we've have seen cracks in the armor, especially when he's gone to, gone against the teams like the Red Sox and the Astros. We've seen him falter a little bit against the, uh, against those better teams in the American League. So the Yankees, as good as they've been this season, I just don't trust them as much as some of the other teams on this list, which is surprising because of how good they've been this season. But I don't think they're as talented as maybe their record says they are. I, I can understand that. I mean, I'll get obviously the Yankees are on my list, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll get to my thoughts on that. But I can, uh, as I mentioned with the by bringing up the Astros, um, I think that the um, the Yankees could be beaten by a team that had an outstanding starting rotation and could you know match up a Cole or match up a Nestor Cortez, and all they'd have to do is shut down one or two of those bats. And suddenly, you know, they're losing a game three to one. Um, I, I will address that in uh, a moment. Who's going to do their number two? You want me to do my number two or you do your number two? Yeah, that was my number three. So did you give, I guess you gave your number three already. So. My number three was Los Angeles. My number three yeah. was Los Angeles. So. Yeah, so we'll go to your number two now. We'll throw it back to you. So Number two is the New York Yankees. Okay, there you go. Uh, there you go. Let's go. I guess I just should have gone right into it. No, they're my number two team. Um, and, and I'll explain... It's not Red Sox hatred mm-hmm. of Yankee fans that make me have it at number two. It's just that they're playing at such a peak level right now that it will just take a one bad outing from Anestra Cortez. I've seen this happen with Braves teams that have won 108 games. I see this happen with the Phillies who had Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, and Cole Hamels up against an under, you know, an underperforming Cardinals team. There are moments when a absolute Goliath of a team can have two bad days and suddenly they're in a winner-take-all series with all the pressure on one and no pressure on the other. Um, I, I think if the Yankees get eliminated, there are two ways that they'll get eliminated. You will hear those two reasons for silly baseball, and they might be the reasons why the Yankees get a ring this fall. But if you have a special someone in your life that might be expecting a ring pretty soon, you need to head to BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind, just like her. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. 
This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders, orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. Either A, they'll be caught on their heels in the division series, losing games one or two, and put them in that proverbial, you know, catch them off guard. Or they have a classic series against the Houston Astros, where the Verlanders and the Urquidies match up with the Garrett Coles and the Nestor Cortezes, and it just is a knockdown, drag-out fight for seven games. And, you know, a bloop by Michael Tucker is the, you know, it'll get to the point where, it becomes chance, kind of like when the the Cubs and the Indians played that game seven. By the time it went to extra innings, they're like, okay, the, the bullpens are spent. It's now just a ball that's going to hit. The, the World Series is going to be determined. It's clearly two evenly matched teams. We played seven games and still couldn't come up with a winner. So it's now just going to be chance. And I think that the Astros are the team that could match up with the Yankees. I think the, the Yankees are – playing so smart and doing so many things right the fact that they could rely on LeMayhew this year that they couldn't do last year so it isn't just waiting for Judge and waiting for um, uh, Stanton to hit the ball out of the ballpark they're getting some hits out of Hicks they're getting production they're getting great defense out of Connor Falefa um, and their pitching staff by removing Chapman who has been a question mark the last bunch of years and handing the ball to Clay Holmes. I don't know if Clay Holmes is a long-term solution, but this could be a Koji Uehara situation where fate and fortune handed the ball to the right closer for this year. And you see that so many times, like, you know, a closer has like one great season or maybe one or two great seasons and where it all sort of comes together and clicks. You know, Bobby Jenks when the White Sox was another example of a guy that he wasn't the closer for most of the year, but midway through, hey, boom, hand the ball to him. Uh, Holmes has been a revelation. Michael King has been fantastic out of the bullpen. Their pitching depth is great. Uh, they have one Achilles heel that prevents them from being my number one team because I think the number one team I have is superior at this one particular spot. So my number one team to win the pennant and the World Series I'll mention after you, but the, the Yankees, I think the, the Yankees right now have to be beaten to win the pennant. You know, mm. you, you have to, you have to go through them. And, I, because, and because of that, I think they are the team. They are literally the team to beat for the American league pennant. And so therefore I have to put them at the highest point in the American league. 
That's fair. They are the team to be. They're the best team in the American League right now. But I'm hoping the postseason, um, the the standings break down where the Yankees have to face both the Red Sox and the Houston Astros because I feel like those are the Achilles heels in terms of teams for the Yankees of the last five years. Because a healthy, a healthy Rays team too, a healthy Rays team where they keep throwing different pitchers at them gets the Yankees on their heels. But this year, the Yankees have been beating all, have been finding ways to win that they didn't find last year. This team reminds me of the 2018 Red Sox, where the balls just kept falling in the right place for that team. And, uh, you know, if you're a Yankee hater, that's a sad thing to hear. But um, I think this is the this is the the best Yankee team uh, since they had Jeter, Rivera, Pettit and Posada and A-Rod. You know, so that's really going back to 2012. So this is the best this is the best Yankee team in a decade. I don't think there's yeah. any. I have no compunction saying that. That's fair. And part of that's, you know, you got guys like Judge who are playing at MVP levels usually. Yeah. I mean, they've had great players, but when Judge is playing like this, it just um, raises the ceiling of the team so much more and stands back to looking great again. Great performances from guys like Clay Holmes, like we've talked about. So the Yankees definitely deserve to be there. They're my number three, as I mentioned before, because my number two team, I got two teams in the National League in my top two. Ooh. You got the Dodgers as your number three team. I have mm -hmm. them. Uh, they're not here at number two. I actually have the New York Mets at number two, mm -hmm. the other New York team, because the Mets, I can't put that in, I can't put them at number one. They're just they're the New York Mets, right? They have those curses. They seem to always something always goes wrong when you don't want it to for the New York Mets. So because of those reasons, for baseball god reasons, the mystical reasons, I won't put them at number one. But in terms of being on paper talents, the Mets are right there with any team in Major League Baseball. They probably have the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball, where their number four and number five starters could be easily number twos on pretty much every other rotation in baseball. Their lineup is deep. That I love the off-seasons additions that they made. Starring Marte, guys like that have been huge. Chris Bassett have been huge as well so this new york mets team they're going to be a team to watch at the trade deadline as well because we know steve cohen is an all-in kind of a owner and i love that for the new york mets because i believe in major league baseball if you have an owner who's willing to spend money you can win games and you can build a really good roster for the postseason it doesn't matter about your market size if you're playing in minnesota san diego new york if you have an owner willing to spend money you can field a competitive roster in the new york mets now with steve cohen as their owner they're willing to spend all the money it takes to win a world series so i love the new york mets for that reason i think they're going to be huge buyers at the deadline they got the most stacked rotation in baseball i think that pitching staff is what's going to carry them to the potentially a world series win yeah i agree with everything you just said uh, except the mystical parts i think that okay. uh no no and I'm, again this is a little bit of there is a little bit of a ghostbusters quality to this team mm -hmm. like in 04 with the red sox when the new ownership was like hell with this let's just let's push all of our chips in the center of the table and just go for you know go for it or uh, it, I know Stacy Gotsoulias doesn't like me bring up the 04 Red Sox. I'll bring up the 2019 Houston uh, Washington Nationals, a team that just always stubbed their toe in the postseason. The city of Washington hadn't hosted a World Series game since 1933, even before I was born. And um, the fact of the matter is that team slayed all the Dragons and did so with two of the just wildest deciding games, the final game. Uh, against Los Angeles, the extra inning game with the Howie Kendrick Grand Slam, and then the come-from-behind game against the Astros with, hey, the Howie Kendrick two-run home run. It's good to be Howie Kendrick in 2019. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to Sully Baseball for our part two. We got part three coming tomorrow where we rank the MVP candidates, so stay tuned for that. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight, and as always, stay safe.
Stay healthy, and thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Deuces!